0: Good afternoon from USC's Annenberg Media Center and welcome to From Where We Are from Annenberg Radio News. For Tuesday, February 13, 2018, I'm Charlotte Kim. First, a news update with Jong Soo Kim.
1: USC football player Joseph Lewis is free on $50,000 bail. LAPD arrested the freshman wide receiver on domestic abuse charges yesterday afternoon, Reporter Tommy Brooksbank has more.
2: USC indefinitely suspended Joseph Lewis from all football-related activities while it investigates domestic violence allegations against him. Lewis was arrested on felony charges that could result in up to four years in prison. Joey Kaufman is the USC beat reporter for the Orange County Register.
3: What is probably important to, to monitor in, in case of USC is these incidents will happen, but what is the response going to be from the university? Sometimes you'll see in the case of a football player will get arrested and you'll see the coach really come to bat for the guy at a press conference and, and maybe that intimidates a victim from coming
2: forward. Lewis played 11 games for the Trojans last season, mostly on special teams. The five-star wideout had four catches for 39 yards. Lewis was expected to have an increased role next season after leading receivers Deontay Barnett and Stephen Mitchell declared for the NFL draft. Lewis will make his first court appearance on March 6th, the same day the Trojans begin their spring season. For Annenberg Media, I'm Tommy Brooksbank.
1: A fatal shooting of a teenager by a sheriff's deputy has brought outrage to a community in South L.A. Chris Perfett has more.
3: Sixteen-year-old Anthony Jacob Weber was shot and killed by a Los Angeles County sheriff's deputy in Westmont last week. Today, activists held a press conference to discuss the complaint that they have lodged regarding the incident. Najid Ali, an activist present today at the news conference, says that both the sheriff's department and the community need to have a dialogue on the matter. We can't have
4: police shooting unarmed people, but also we can't have the community always in uproar and always trying to push the envelope as far as not having a dialogue with the police or the sheriffs because at the end of the day, we do need them.
3: Last Wednesday, an emergency meeting was called between the Westmont community and the Sheriff's Civilian Oversight Commission regarding the death of Weber. The meeting quickly broke down into shouting and accusations. According to statements from the Sheriff's Department, Weber had a handgun in his waistband and ignored deputies' commands. But the gun hasn't been found. The Sheriff's Department claims that the gun was removed by neighbors who came to confront the deputies following the incident. The community disputes the department's versions of events, with one community member saying everyone was too afraid to go near Weber's body while the deputies were around. For Annenberg Media, I'm Chris Perfett.
1: Immigrant rights groups are organizing a new network of watch teams in California neighborhoods in response to threats by the Trump administration. Volunteers are being trained in San Francisco to contribute to a rapid response network. Their goal is to document the arrests of immigrants find them legal counsel, and support them and their families through the court system. Immigrant hotlines were first organized in 2008. The Los Angeles City Council today approved a plan to give the homeless in downtown L.A. some temporary housing. Renny Svernofsky reports.
5: Councilman Jose Huivar introduced the motion last month to house around five dozen homeless people in trailers on a city-owned parking lot at Arcadia and Alameda Streets. The proposal will be installed and operated for six months at a cost of $2 million. After that, the annual cost to the city will be $1.4 million. The city plans to install three trailers with beds. A fourth trailer would house administrative workers and case management services, and another one would have bathrooms, showers, and laundry services. Cuizar says he hopes to see those who stay in the trailers transition into permanent housing within six months through on-site services they will receive. He also introduced a motion that would take the same approach on a much larger scale in nearby Skid Row. There, an estimated 2,000 people sleep on the streets each night. Brandenburg Media, I'm Rennie Swernovski.
1: Tonight, temperatures will drop to the mid-50s with episodes of wind. Following last night's unexpected drizzle, tonight's chances of rain are very low. Feel free to leave that umbrella at home. Tomorrow, temperatures will reach a high of 66 degrees and stay in the mid-60s. Expect partly cloudy skies, warm breezes, and lots of sunshine. The Los Angeles Board of Supervisors today approved a resolution that supports a ban on new offshore oil and gas drilling. Supervisor Sheila Kuhl made the motion for the ban on new leases and the construction of oil platforms off the California coast. She cites environmental concerns. The resolution comes after the Trump administration announced a five-year plan to expand offshore drilling in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Arctic oceans. Since 1984, no new federal offshore oil or gas leases have been granted off the California coast. USC undergrads today have the opportunity to vote for their next student leaders as undergraduate student government elections rev up through Friday. Sebastian Vega has more on what's drawing people to the polls. While
6: several undergraduate students like senior Natalie Guzman came for the food.
4: One of the possible senators asked me to vote for them and told me about the food and that was it.
6: Others, like senior Rishirly Verna, couldn't miss out on the chance to fulfill her responsibility as a student.
7: I think the idea of voting is good, and it's good practice to vote here on campus, but at the same time, you know, take, I don't know, participate in, like, governmental voting as well.
6: Sophomore Hussein Popot studied up on peers' platforms.
3: I saw their performance during the debates, uh, particularly about diversity and inclusion, which I think is a primary issue
8: that USG should be focusing on.
6: While freshman Juliana Boyle nearly missed the memo. I don't
7: think there was ever any sort of official output about them. I've seen a bunch of signs on campus. I have a friend who's running for Senate, um, and that's kind of the only source of information that I've had. I didn't get an email or, like, see any posters telling me how to vote, so that's probably why I didn't know they were today.
6: (laughs) If you don't want to miss your chance to vote, be sure to get to the USG election website by Friday at elections.usc.edu. For Annenberg Media, I'm Sebastian Vega.
1: Levy Library closed its fourth floor today to make room for the Shoah Foundation. In light of this change, students are concerned about the lack of study spaces. Trevor Sahaki reports. Levy Library's
8: fourth floor is officially closed to students as the university continues to prepare the space for takeover by the USC Shoah Foundation. The Holocaust and Genocide Research Center is host to a variety of initiatives, including a growing archive that preserves audiovisual testimonies and an education outreach department. Corey Street, Senior Director of Programs and Operations, explains why USC Shoah Foundation decided to expand their facilities.
4: In particular, since the launch of our Center for Advanced Genocide Research, we've been welcoming an increasing number of scholars to USC as a destination to do this important research. And it's important for that kind of a program to have a hub for research to occur.
8: The Institute will be taking over the fourth floor after working out of the first floor for several years. Some students, like sophomore Catherine Yang, voice concerns about the new lack of study spaces the move has created.
9: Shutting off an entire floor would take away a lot of study space, so that would definitely
2: impact them.
8: Junior Jonathan Shui thinks the move should entice USC to create more space for students.
2: Well, I don't think it's a bad thing that they're allocating the space for that foundation. I feel like we do probably need some more space in Levy so that it's not that crowded.
8: USC Shoah Foundation expects to make its way up to the fourth floor by the first week of April. However, renovations to the Institute's space and other study spaces will continue into the fall semester. For Annenberg Media, I'm Trevor Sahaki. Terry Nguyen contributed to this report.
1: It's eight minutes after the hour. I'm jong Kim.
0: Thanks, jong Coming up on From Where We Are, entertainment is L.A.'s number one industry. Find out how Mayor Eric Garcetti and the city are helping diversify media. If you've ever wondered about the origins of curious words and phrases, here's Jasmine Stanberry Lane with today's Root Source.
7: On today's Root Source, we'll take a look at the word justice. The word justice was first used in the English language around the 1200s to show authority. The word evolved in the 1400s to mean uprightness and equity in the context of ethics and political philosophy. In the late 19th century, justice became an American core value as it was written in the American Pledge of Allegiance.
10: For and for all. In modern
7: times, justice has been defined as equality of being just and often associated with righteousness. In the 60s, civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. often referenced justice in his fight for racial equality. I know
11: that justice is indivisible, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere.
7: So the next time you recite the pledge, you might just remember the brief history of the word justice. For Annenberg Media, I'm Jasmine Stanberry lane
0: Now, let's hear the sports report with Garrett Schwartz.
6: Thanks, Charlotte. In the world of basketball, the L.A. Clippers beat the Brooklyn Nets 114-101 to at the Barclays Center last night. Seven L.A. players reach double figures in the balanced effort, led by recently extended guard Lou Williams. The Clips have now won four of their last five and will next travel to Boston in a homecoming for head coach Doc Rivers. The Lakers tip off against the Pelicans in New Orleans, where fans are surely recovering from a Mardi Gras hangover. But lucky for the Pels, the Lakers will be without rookie Lonzo Ball, who has officially been ruled out through the All-Star break. The first-round pick suffered a knee injury a month ago and has yet to return since. Good news for Dodger fans, because baseball is back. LA pitchers and catchers reported today to the team's spring training facility in Arizona. Also, the Dodgers will keep veteran second baseman Chase Utley, who will play into his 40s wearing blue on a new two-year deal. The defending champion USC women's beach volleyball team has been hard at work, gearing up for its first game of the season later this month. Jody Sullivan reports on how the women of Troy hope to continue their run of success.
4: Therese Cannon off the net. And USC 2017 back-to-back
8: NCAA Beach Volleyball champions.
9: The women of Troy capped off their 38-1 national title season with a trip to the White House earlier this year. It was a fun trip, and it kind of shows us that we're trying to win something that's bigger than just ourselves so we're trying to do it for the school and then obviously do it for our country. It's like it's just a really cool thing to experience and definitely motivates us to try and win another one this year. For senior Therese Cannon, last year's championship was something special. It was her kill that secured the 15 to 13 win on court three and the team's third consecutive national title. For the women of Troy, winning national championships has become nearly second nature, but that doesn't mean it's always easy.
12: That that team. That graduated, that's right now, no question, the strongest team beach volleyball has seen. And it's, I'm really happy that they got recognized. And we've been kind of joking about it for a few years because it's three national championships and finally we got to go.
9: The USC program has experienced a number of firsts together.
12: It's always cool to be the first, you know, being the first to win a beach volleyball national championship here um, in the NC2A era and. Now, the team's the first to be honored at the White House. It's pretty cool.
9: Volunteer assistant coach Dane Blanton has been with the team for three seasons. His history with volleyball is unparalleled. He's one of the only players to win a championship in college, in the Olympics, and professionally. Back in 2000, when Blanton won the gold medal in Sydney, he visited the capital with his fellow Olympians.
12: I knew the girls were in for a treat, and uh, they had a blast. It's fun for me to go back in a different capacity as a coach. Um, rather than competing.
9: For alum Sarah Hughes, who's now playing professionally with her USC partner Kelly Clays, it was her first time visiting
7: D.C. First time going to Washington, who really gets to go to the White House, right? I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest, but I think one of the other coolest things was like there was two swords on the wall and George Washington had used those swords before and I was like, how? Look, the, our history is amazing, and to see stuff like that, and to walk on on the floor where so many amazing people have walked, it was really cool.
9: For Hughes, there's the added element of getting to represent her country as well. Clay's and her have competed around the world, and she's won four international gold medals on the
7: sand. It's just to tie in everything, like you said, I've competed, I competed for USC for four years, and then now USA, so... It just really was cool to be able to go and have represent both of those on my back and proudly represent this school and our country. It was really, it's an honor.
9: While the team was able to enjoy the sights of the Capitol and make history of their own, for the returning players, Blanton hopes the trip served as a reminder of what the team needs to accomplish.
12: The seniors know what it takes, or, or the upperclassmen who are still on the team that accomplish those goals, but the new players coming in The big trick is to get them to understand how much work it takes. We have to instill that hunger. And I do think getting honored and and going to the White House and all the accolades that come with a national championship only fuel the fire.
9: The team will have a chance to go for their fourth straight national championship once the season begins on Saturday, February 24th at Grand Canyon University. For Annenberg Media, I'm Jody Storm Sullivan.
6: The Women of Troy will host the Cardinal and Gold alumni match a week from Thursday. That's it for this sports report. From Annenberg Media, I'm Garrett Schwartz.
0: The city of L.A. announced a partnership with 60 major media companies with the goal to increase diversity and entertainment. Terry Nguyen has the story. LA Mayor Eric Garcetti has joined forces with filmmaker
13: Ava DuVernay and producer Dan Lin to launch the Evolve Entertainment Fund. The fund will create new opportunities in the media industry for underrepresented groups. It aims to reimagine Hollywood's future. Mary bronog is the president of the Film and Television Writers Organization at USC. She thinks the city initiative is a step forward for women and people of color.
10: We're running out of stories to tell because We've been missing this huge pool of people. And um, the next generation coming up is super aware um, that their stories haven't been told. So donating to these funds and having these startups and everything um, is paving a way for the next generation so they can have have an easier time and be supported in telling their stories.
13: The fund has already helped 150 students secure internships in the entertainment industry it hopes to raise $5 million and place up to 500 students by 2020. These opportunities are crucial for people who would otherwise not have access to the industry, says co-president of Acción Latina, Carla Luna Cantu.
5: I think it's important because people from underrepresented communities sometimes don't even get the chance to get educated and study in the film industry or, or even get the opportunity to put their, their first food on like the doorstep, like a small little production company.
13: Acción Latina is a USC student group that celebrates and produces Latinx cinema. Movements like Oscar So White and Time's Up have highlighted inequality in Hollywood, but Garcetti sees the fund as a pathway for minority youth to work in the industry.
5: So I think it's important to to both have people in front of the camera, but also people behind the camera that are directing these characters and that are, are writing and doing character development and, and working in and producing and, and making just normal stories of normal people that just happen to be people of color.
13: For Annenberg Media, I'm Terry Nguyen.
0: A new freeway project connecting Los Angeles County to San Bernardino County is causing controversy. Lauren Floyd reports.
4: The High Desert Corridor Project is Los Angeles County's first new freeway plan in 25 years. It will connect Palmdale and Lancaster with the high desert areas of Victorville, Apple Valley, and Adelanto.
1: This would provide another east-west corridor uh, between L.A. and and, uh, San Bernardino County.
4: Ryan McCachron is a project coordinator for the High Desert Corridor Plan.
1: Generally speaking, we've had really nothing but positive feedback on it.
4: Los Angeles was recently ranked the most gridlocked city in the world by the transportation analytics company, Enrix. McCachron says the project will not only improve traffic...
1: It would allow for a lot of freight movement, as well as there's rail uh, planned in the corridor, so um, we would expect that that would provide an additional transportation uh, option uh, for folks that were looking to uh, to you know get from here over to LA.
4: but not everyone is thrilled about the project. The plans to construct the sixty three mile stretch through the vast open desert is raising concerns about its environmental impact. Bryn Limbland is with Climate Resolve, an LA based NGO that focuses on local solutions to the global climate change problem. Limbland says the freeway would change the character of the desert areas
9: right now it's a peaceful place where people have chosen to live there um, and they like that more um, rural tranquil uh, environment This really could transform it into another san fernando valley where you're sort of all paved over and, and nothing left of that nature Bland
4: says the beloved and rare joshua trees endangered species of desert tortoise and other natural life won't survive with this type of freeway disrupting the environment
9: we really just stand by and let, and let this horrible mistake
4: happen. The $8 billion project is facing financial barriers. Tax revenue generated under Measure H is designated for the project. But in a statement from Los Angeles Metro, officials say that, quote, priorities and funding will be identified to address capital cost shortfalls. With Annenberg Media, I'm Lauren Floyd.
0: Horse rides at Griffith Park will soon come to an end. Griffith Park Horse Rental has been operating in the park near the Hollywood sign for 50 years, but now its lease is running out. Owner Julie Shad says she and her 55 horses will be looking for a new home. We're optimistic about our future. We're, we will be taking care of the horses. The horses will not be abandoned.
5: I don't know that we'll be able to offer the same services where we go because we don't
10: know what we're, where we're going yet.
5: I can't afford to be sad to leave here. I'm
0: sure at the end, I'll have some emotions. But right now, it's, it's about taking care of the horses. Shad would not share the reason her business is leaving. Her lease ends May 15. The US-Pakistan relationship is complicated. With President Trump's recent comments on Pakistan's ineffectiveness against terrorist organizations, relations between the two countries have
10: only strained further. Karina Saidi has more. The ambassador of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan to the U.S. spoke at USC Today as part of a program by the School of International Relations and the Master of Public Diplomacy. Azaz Ahmad Chaudhry. Who assumed office in March 2017, served for more than three decades with the Foreign Service of Pakistan. He talked about Pakistan's relationship with the U.S. during the event today. He specifically addressed President Trump's tweet from early January, when he said Pakistan had accepted billions of dollars in aid from the United States and still failed to act against terrorist networks.
11: Pakistan has deployed 200,000 troops. No country has deployed that much against terrorism, and we have done that on the Western borders. So, if Afghanistan remains hot and on the boil, it actually will force and oblige Pakistan to maintain that heavy deployment along the Western border. And that's why we see the LOC violations rising up.
10: For those who don't know, LOC refers to the so called military line of control between the separate Indian and Pakistani administered parts of disputed Kashmir. Following the tweet, Pakistan's foreign affairs minister, Khawaja Mohammed Asif, dismissed Trump's outburst as having no importance. It was not immediately clear how this would impact the alliance. Last October, President Trump voiced optimism about the relations with Pakistan following Pakistan's compliance with a rescue operation that saw an American woman and her family released after five years of captivity. According to American and Pakistani officials, a militant network linked to the Taliban was responsible for their detention. During the discussion, Chaudhry mentioned Pakistan's support of the US. For Annenberg Media, I'm Karina Saidi.
0: Los Angeles
10: is home to the largest Iranian diaspora in the world, an
0: estimated 72,000 people. Reporter Ryan Thompson took to the streets last month to talk to some of them about events going on back home. He found that many were critical of the government in Iran and had supportive words for President Trump.
2: The start of the 2018 New Year in Iran was marked not by fireworks, but a wave of large demonstrations. Protesters were taking to the streets, first to demand economic equality but eventually asking for an all-out regime
8: All protests, change. A lot of the sanctions regime intact. we used to seeing in Iran small protests against economic conditions.
2: But this is from Al Jazeera's coverage early on in the protests.
8: But what's interesting about these is that they've spread to numerous cities, and they've been picked up mm. by social media outlets. There's some sort of movement that appears to be going on.
2: 7,500 miles away, the Iranian diaspora in L.A. was watching with fascination. And as protesters took to the streets in Tehran, the diaspora in L.A. took to Wilshire Boulevard in unity. Many in this diaspora were exiled after the Iranian revolution in 1978. That's when the country ended the 2500-year-long rule of the Persian monarchy. It was replaced with an Islamic republic rooted in Sharia law. We, we need to take our country back.
6: Iranian immigrants
2: like Abraham Izakoni say it's time for major changes in Iran.
6: And we want to change the regime, Islamic regime. We are not Islamic. We are Persian, and I'm not against Islam. I'm not against the Quran. This is, belongs to Arabic country and belongs to Arabic nation.
2: Izakoni enlisted in the U.S. Army the moment he got his green card. He says he's been frustrated with Iran's Islamic leadership for many reasons, but above all, providing funding to other regimes that he thinks are corrupt.
6: They needed change government. They needed money. Uh, they're spending to Iran, not in the Lebanon, not in Yemen, not in Syria, not in Gaza, not for terrorists. The Iran government is the first government, terrorists, supporting terrorists. Everybody knows, European people know. Maru
2: Ashtiani, another immigrant, has her own list of complaints.
10: There is no democracy, there is no freedom of speech, no freedom of journalism. Uh, Political prisoners should be released, and women especially. Uh, it's a very, very hard situation for everyone in Iran.
2: I asked her and other protesters what action they wanted to see from the United States government. And I was surprised when they told me involvement.
10: To support, to understand the uh, situation.
2: When President Donald Trump released a statement earlier that weekend calling for the government in Iran to not interfere to with the protest, much of the international community criticized him for getting involved. But in L.A., some people were cheering. And you like the action that Trump has taken?
11: Yes. 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 All of his actions, even before this, he is 100%. Fine. I voted for him from the beginning.
2: <laughs> I was surprised to hear this because just one year ago, visitors from Iran were banned from the U.S. under Trump's Muslim ban, and throughout his first year, Trump has threatened to reestablish tough sanctions that have damaged Iran's struggling economy. But it seemed like LA's diaspora really loved Trump.
11: Well, it depends on uh, who you talk to. Uh, Roughly speaking, we can uh, divide Iranians into two groups.
2: Muhammad Sahimi is a columnist for PBS Frontline's Tehran Bureau. He says that one part of the diaspora supports sanctions and perhaps even military action against the government in Tehran.
11: The other group uh, to which I belong uh, believe that change in Iran should come. Uh, from within Iran done by Iranian people without any outside interference. And that group, of course, is opposed to any intervention by the United States, uh, and in particular by the Trump administration. Sahimi says
2: that the group that supports U.S. intervention is a vocal minority. He says that there is a silent
11: majority opposed to U.S. involvement. I know a lot of people in this region tells me that uh, a silent majority uh, that doesn't have any Mass media or any uh, television stations or any, anything like that actually opposes U.S. intervention in Iran. The protests in Iran have since gone quiet.
2: But how President Trump will handle relations with the country over the next three years and how Iranian-Americans will respond, well, that remains to be seen. For Annenberg Media, I'm Ryan Thompson in Westwood.
0: The Lunar New Year is upon us. This Friday, February 16th, marks the beginning of the Lunar New Year, a holiday based on the Chinese lunisolar calendar. Reporter Rose Martinez has more. Often called the Chinese
5: New Year, Lunar New Year is celebrated by many Asian countries, including Korea, Vietnam, and Singapore. Yuji Shu is with the USC Chinese Student Association. It's time for us to like share all our like happiness and stuff about the past year and moving on to the next year. In Asia and here in L.A., celebrations will last for about 15 days and will involve traditions that vary from country to country. Dana Din is a sophomore whose family is originally from Vietnam. In my family, it's really important the tradition of cleaning the house before the new year in order to sweep out the bad luck. But on the actual new year, you're not supposed to sweep or take out the garbage. And the idea is that you don't want to shoo out any of the good spirits that have come to wish you out well in the new year. New year? new traditions. I think this year is going to be very different from any other year for me because this is the first year where I've actually not been able to go back home and celebrate with my family. For those celebrating away from home, USC's Chinese Student Association will host a Lunar New Year's show on Sunday, February 18th at 7pm in Bovard Auditorium. For Annenberg Media, I'm Rose Martinez.
0: That's it for From Where We Are Today. Today's show is produced by Rennie Swernofsky. Lauren Floyd is associate producer. We had help today from Elise Ellis, Bailey Schlichtman, Fallon Williams, and Yvette Williams. Chris Perfett is our board operator. The theme music was composed by Derek Renfro. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Annaberg Media. For now, I am Charlotte Kim.